Well, today we are going off series a little bit. Uh, we've been in our belonging series the past few weeks, and in a couple of weeks we'll be jumping into Advent, which means we'll be preparing for Christmas. It's a little early for that, despite what retail places say. So we're going to spend a couple of weeks just looking at a few different things from different topics, different parts of Scripture that we haven't had a chance to look at recently. And today we're going to focus on a story involving Elijah. Elijah was a prophet back in the Old Testament period, and he, he's one of the great ones. He's one of the really good stories in there, and we're calling it Showdown of the Soul, so y'all can get excited about that. And just kind of as a teaser for where we're going today, um, just wanted to share this thought with you. Our life is defined by the choices we make but it is perhaps more impacted by the choices we leave unmade. Let me read that one more time. Our life is defined by the choices we make, but it is perhaps more impacted by the choices we leave unmade. With that, we're going to jump into our scripture for this morning. This comes from 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to pick up in verse 20. And we're going to read right now through verse 24. We're going to be looking at several different parts of this scripture and this chapter throughout the message today. But for right now, we're just going to read this part. And I invite you to join in with me if you're up for the challenge. We've only got five verses, and they will be on the screen if you would like to join in. Good luck with the names. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said... How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it up into pieces and put it on the wood But do not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but do not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that in this time that you would open the scripture up to us that you would speak to us through your holy word, that your Holy Spirit would minister to us and meet us each in the place that we came in today. Meet us individually and speak to us, God, in in the ways that we need to hear your word today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. So the idea of choices is something that we, we deal with on a daily basis. Every day you make some sort of choice And these choices might be trivial or they might be a little more complex. Um, There are some trivial things that we deal with. For example, when I go to get yogurt, there is a decision I have to make before I can get the first bit of yogurt. I have to decide, am I going a fruity direction today or am I going more of a nutty, chocolatey direction today? And making that decision will set up how the entire yogurt experience goes. And so we we have some trivial things like that. There are other things that are a little trivial, uh, but have a little bit higher consequences to it. For example, do I participate in No Shave November or not? 
I'm trying to be like David Denson. I'm, I'm working. I'm trying to get there, but I'm not quite there yet. And, and so in, in those particular cases, um, you might have people come up to you and say, it's really odd to see someone in ministry with a beard. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but okay. Uh, and you might have people say, oh, that looks really good. You should keep that. And you think, what, what was I thinking before? There are other trivial choices that we deal with. For example, should I take advantage of the fact that it is pumpkin spice latte time of year, which is really not a decision of whether to get a latte or not. It's a decision of whether to lose $5 or not. There, there are trivial decisions we deal with, but then there are also frustrating decisions that we deal with. For example, anyone who has ever gone online to buy tickets for a concert, you know how frustrating decisions can be. I, I remember the last time I bought tickets to go see Taylor Swift. Yes, there have been multiple times I've bought tickets to go see Taylor Swift. All for my wife. She's the fan. I'm just cheering her on. But you have to make a decision when it comes to Taylor Swift because she has the, she's so popular, so popular that she has to play two shows whenever she goes somewhere. And so you have to decide, is this the right day? And so I'm constantly checking, is this the right one? Is this the right one? Did I pick the right day? I think that's the right day. And of course, you're buying six months out, so you don't know what day of the week that is, and you're trying to figure it out. And then they, they've got the timer up there. If you've bought tickets online, you know what I'm talking about. They've got the timer. You have 30 seconds before the computer system will self-destruct, and you won't get these tickets. But we're holding them for now. And, and so you, you're dealing with the frustration of that, and the whole time you're sitting there going, does she really need to go see Taylor Swift again? And the answer is, I guess, I don't know. But there are also decisions that we make in life that have a little bit more impact on the situation that we will find ourselves in life with. Should we take this job or not? Who should we marry? Where should we live? Did we pick the right school district? And sometimes not making a choice will have more of an impact than making the right or the wrong choice. Now, in this particular passage today, we are dealing with kind of a different world than the one we live in. Most of us didn't walk in here this morning going, you know, I'm really struggling with my worship of false gods. I've really got this thing going on where I'm not sure if Baal is God or if, if God is God. Most of us are not struggling on that level. So it's, it's easy for us to read this story and just kind of look at it and say, oh, this is just a primitive story about this prophet who lived a long time ago, and he's facing off with these prophets of this God who's long forgotten. This can't possibly have anything to say to me. And you'll, you'll notice in various points of this message, I will pronounce the word B-A-A different ways. Uh, when I took Hebrew in, at the University of Georgia, who knows if they got it right or not, but I, I think it's pronou- pronounced Baal. Baal. It's kind of like this little huffy, puffy, guttural thing that I can't do right. It's kind of like when uh, Aaron gets up here and he says Ecuador and it sounds amazing. Uh, we, we, I, I don't know how to say these things correctly in Hebrew, but it's something like Baal. But Michigan friend. I was born in the South, and so we learned it as Baal. Baal. Baal is the Canaanite deity in the Old Testament that we read about. But, but Baal, or Baal, or what, whatever I'm going to refer to him as throughout this message, it is a 
deity that shows up, and it always seems that Israel is struggling with allegiance to God, the one true God, the Lord, or this other deity. It was, it was a prominent deity in that region at that time. And there, there are different reasons that they struggle with it. And in your message notes, you've got a little cheat sheet kind of to give you an idea of who all the people involved in this. There's Ahab. He is the king of Israel at the time. The scripture tells us that he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of the kings before him. And, and so he, he's not really high on the Lord's list at this particular point in history. And he married Jezebel, who uh, I heard one commentator refer to as the Wicked Witch of the West. She was not a great lady. And Jezebel, part of her goal as queen was to extinguish the power of the Lord and to elevate the power of Baal. And so she, she has made it her mission to get rid of the prophets of the Lord and to raise up the prophets and to affirm the prophets of Baal. Now, Baal is an interesting character because the situation at this time is that there has not been rain in three years. They're in the midst of a serious drought, and Baal is considered in the Canaanite pantheon of gods. Baal is considered to be the god that makes rain happen. He's very important in the agricultural cycle. And so these people are, are crying out either to the Lord or to Baal saying, one of you make it rain. And, and allegiance is turning in the direction of Baal. And they are you know, starting to gain ground, the people in this camp. And the thing is, what they're dealing with is really not that different than what we deal with today. What is the source of our provision? What is the source that we owe our allegiance to? And so Baal is the one that they're sitting there going, we don't know if we should serve him or if we should serve the Lord. But it's really not that different than what we deal with on a regular basis. We, we put our trust, we put our allegiance in our possessions, we put it in our position, our, our power in life, or, or we might put it in someone other than the Lord. But it, it's this idea of idolatry might seem like a foreign thing that we've moved beyond, but the reality is, is that every single day we are faced with choices. Do we show our worship to God? Or are we going to show our worship and our allegiance to something else or someone else? And so they're, they're struggling with a very similar situation to what we deal with. And it's a question of who will they serve? What will they serve? And will it be the Lord or will it be something else? And your, in your message notes, the first point there is it, it's a test of our allegiance. Baal was not only a Canaanite deity, it was also a title that meant Lord. It was a title that meant the exalted one. It was one that was worship, that was honored, that was a position of power, position of prestige. And so when they're dealing with the struggle between do we worship the Lord or do we worship Baal, it's really a question of where is our allegiance. Now, I've always been critical of the prophets of Baal who go up to meet Elijah on this mountain, because it says in, in verse 21 that Elijah says, choose this day who 
you will worship. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And then it says, but the people said nothing. Now, why would they say nothing? The reason that they might say nothing is because the powers that be, Ahab and the wicked witch of the West, his wife Jezebel, are are wiping out the name of the Lord. They're saying, we want Baal to be the exalted one. We want Baal to be the one that people give their allegiance to. And so for them to say, okay, the Lord is God, or for them to say Baal is God, is for them to make a decision of where their allegiance lies, not only in terms of who they worship, but in terms of which side they are on. If they say it's the Lord, then they've put themselves in a position of treason, and so the kingdom could turn against them and they could be executed or excommunicated. But if if they say it's... Did I say that right? If they say it's the Lord, they put themselves in a questionable position, but if they say it's Baal then they, they've committed idolatry, which they're already in the process of doing. So um, don't know what the big deal was there. But anyways, they said nothing. And so Elijah says, all right, we're going to have a little test. And he says, we're, we're going to each build altars. We're each going to set up for a sacrifice. And don't, don't put any fire to it. But the God who answers our cries that's the one who's going to be the true God. And, and so they said, that sounds great. Let's do it. And so the stage is set, and they're ready for this showdown. And so we pick up in verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal answered us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is in deep thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. The reality is it's a devastating feeling when we find ourselves in the place where the thing that we've put our trust in doesn't come through. I was trying to think about a story I heard one time, and I'm going to mess up the details a little bit, but I went and looked up the old press release on it. But many of you might remember uh, Deion Sanders. He's still on TV a pretty good bit. And he played for the Braves and the Falcons and several other teams back in the 90s. Uh, played at Florida State. Had the nickname Primetime. And there, there was a story that was on one of the sports channels probably about 10 years ago about Dion. And in the late 90s, he was playing for the Cincinnati Reds. And he, as he tells the story, he, he had all the power, he had all the possessions he wanted, he had the talent, he had the fame, he had the fortune, he had everything that he thought he wanted, but his life was empty. And so one day he was driving down the road and he said, I'm just going to put an end to it. And so he he drove his car off the road and and for some reason he he says, God had his hand on me and that's the reason I survived. Um, He survived 
dropping off a, a cliff. We, we don't know exactly how high it was. But he walked away unscathed from the incident. And he told the story, and I, I don't know a lot about Dion and his, his religious walk, but as he told the story, he realized at that point that what he was putting his hope in wasn't going to satisfy him. He had to put his hope in the Lord, and that's when he, he gave his life to the Lord. Some of you might have seen recently the Billy Graham special. Uh, I believe Fox News showed it. It's available online as well. And in that, there are a couple of different people who give testimonials that are woven throughout it. And one of them is the Christian rapper Lecrae. And Lecrae has a, has a great story. I encourage you to watch the whole thing. But uh, in particular, his story is just really impactful because he talks about how when, when he was a teenager, he, he was part of a gang and he had uh, put his hope and all of his trust in having... The, the right prestige in this gang. He, he, had, he had issues with drugs. He had issues with women. He had issues with you name it. And, and he had it. And, and there, there was a point where uh, he remembered just pointing a gun at someone out in the middle of the street just because he could. Just because he had that power. Just because he had that position within his gang. And, and what he ended up realizing is that that wasn't going to satisfy. That putting his hope in that wasn't going to lead to satisfaction for him. And, and so we, we hear stories like that, and, and we realize that. And I, I think about, from our perspective, oh, that's easy for, you know, to kind of find yourself when you're in those positions, when you're in Dion's place or you're in Lecrae's place. Most of us aren't, aren't struggling with our gang relationship, and most of us aren't wondering what to do with our fame and fortune that are in this congregation today. But we were talking this past week, and uh, John Horton, uh, who's our other associate pastor, he's a uh, wise old guy, and he, he was sitting there talking, and we were bouncing around some ideas for some messages that we're going to do next year. And one of the things that, that we struggle with a lot of times in this community is is that we don't deal with the kind of material issues that a lot of other cultures deal with in terms of poverty, in terms of financial need. But what we deal with is the, the fact that people in our culture, people in our community, so many times they're putting their trust in the fact that they've, they live in the right neighborhood. They're putting their trust in the fact that they, they've got the right job. They're putting their trust in the fact that they have the right relationships, whatever that might be. And as John put it, he said, when the police officer shows up at your house at 1 a.m. in the morning, the car in the driveway doesn't matter. When the police officer shows up at your house at 1 o'clock in the morning, having the right job, having the right family, the right prestige in the community, it isn't going to cut it. And what it ultimately is, what it ultimately comes down to in the idolatry that we struggle with today is it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of where are we putting our trust? Are we putting it in the Lord? Or are we putting it in the things that we can touch, the things that we think are tangible? The, these prophets, it's easy for us to dismiss them now and say, oh, there's, there's primitive people calling out to it to a God that doesn't exist, but that they were calling out because they thought that he would respond. 
And it's devastating when we put our hope and our trust and our allegiance in things that don't come through. And so the question for us is, will we put our trust in God or will we put it in something else? And so the story continues, and it's Elijah's turn. And he, he's just been sitting back. Um, there are some versions of the Bible that, that really graphically explain how he taunts them. He's like, maybe he's going to the bathroom. You know, maybe, maybe he's just busy. That, that's actually what that particular passage means. And, and so he's ready. And he knows that his God's going to come through. And so Elijah gets ready, and in verse 30 it says, He said to all the people, Come here to me. And they came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And he gets everything set up, and it's ready to go. And then in verse 34, I'm sorry, 33, he's arranged the wood, he's got everything in place, and then he says, Fill four large jars with water, and pour it on the offering and on the wood. There's a drought going on. So he's saying, find whatever water is available and let's use it because God's got something to say today. And so they, they pour water on it. And I, I, I was a, Tim was an Eagle Scout. I was a Boy Scout dropout. Um, but I stayed in long enough to know that water on the fire doesn't make for a very good fire. I see some agreement. I think we're on the right track. And, and he says, pour some water on it. And so they, they, they pour water on it, and he says, do it again. And so they do it again, and, and they pour so much water on the offering that it ends up filling up the trench that's been dug around the offering. And so he cries out, he says, answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And then when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And so in the midst of their desperate situation, they desperately needed rain. It was the Lord who responded. In the midst of, of their situation, when they had put their trust in, a, in another idol that wasn't going to satisfy, it was the Lord who answered. And so the question for us today is the same question that we, they were faced with back then. Where will you put your trust? Where will you put your allegiance? And, and the problem for us is that it's easy when we're in this gathering to say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But when we're faced with the choices that we're faced with each and every day about where we're going to put our trust and where we're going to place our allegiance, how will we respond? This particular passage uh, has an incredible impact in, in the story of my life. About 16 years ago, um, I was faced with a lot of choices I was trying to make in terms of who I wanted to be in life. And uh, I was wandering pretty much in the wrong direction. I was putting all my hope and all my trust in, in different things, things of this world. And I actually heard a message on this. And, and the verse that just spoke to me, that just haunted me and, and caused me just to shake and to realize that I needed to make a choice was this. It was verse 21. 
How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if all is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Our life is defined by the choices we make, but is perhaps more impacted by the choices we leave unmade. And I realized in that moment that I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice whether I was going to give my trust and my allegiance to the things I thought were going to lead to satisfaction in life, or did I want to put it in the Lord? Did I want to trust the Lord to be the source of my trust, the source of my allegiance, and the one who was going to be the Lord of my life? And as I reflect on that now, I I realize that in that moment I had to make a choice. But that wasn't the end of the choices for me. I realize that every single day I am faced with a choice. Choose this day who you will serve. If the Lord is God, follow him. If this is God, follow it. And I realize that I'm left with a choice to make. And so the question for us is what will we choose? What choice will we make? 